0: You're listening to Puma Podcast. Welcome to The Global Bounce. And there you have it. The draw is officially complete.
1: I knew Philippines had a lot of basketball fans and a lot of basketball knowledge. I didn't think this was going to be this much. Now I'm retired with four years, so it's kind of slowed down a little bit and To see see this uh, has meant a lot and, you know, to touch so many lives so far away, you know, I've I've never
0: been here. That's Dirk Nowitzki, Basketball Hall of Famer and the first player from Europe to win the NBA's Most Valuable Player Award. He was in Manila at the end of April, along with international hoops legends like Argentina's Luis Scola, Spain's Jorge Garbajosa and Iran's Hamed Haddadi to help announce the draw for the 2023 FIBA World Cup which will be hosted by the Philippines, Indonesia, and Japan. And I'm Rafe Bartholomew, a former United States Fulbright scholar to the Philippines and author of Pacific Rims, an almost 400-page long book devoted to describing the more than 100 years old history of basketball in the Philippines and the country's deep love affair with the sport. The idea at the heart of my book is that the Philippines' passion for basketball runs deeper and burns hotter than it does in any other nation in the world, And I believe that's still the case today, just as it was 18 years ago when I first stepped off a Northwest Airlines jet at Manila's Ninoy Aquino International Airport and arrived in the Philippines for the first time on November 5th, 2005. But there's one glaring difference between the Philippines I came to almost 20 years ago and the basketball nation that Dirk landed in this April. Anyone want to guess what I'm talking about? For better or worse, it isn't the airport's Terminal 1, where passing through Immigration and Customs and then crossing that pedestrian walkway before heading down that perilously steep, semicircular ramp to exit the airport looks and feels almost exactly the same in 2023 as it did in 2005. Pause. After the FIBA draw, when Dirk came back to the airport for his return flight, did the guards at the front door insist he show them a paper printout of his ticket? I wonder about these things. I'm also dangerously close to making a lag lag bola joke, which means it's time to move on. And if you don't get the reference, I got your back. I'll explain in the show notes. So the big difference between the world of Philippine basketball I arrived in back then compared to what Dirk found this year is that in 2005, FIBA, the federation that oversees international basketball competitions, didn't even recognize a Philippine national team. That year, a few months before I first set foot on Philippine soil, there had been a power struggle between the Philippine Olympic Committee and the Basketball Association of the Philippines, where the Olympic Committee refused to recognize the Basketball Association's stewardship of the national team. The Olympic Committee had plans to partner with another basketball body to form a rival Philippine national team. One Olympic Committee, two Philippine national teams with dueling claims to legitimacy, FIBA took one look at this nasty little love triangle and said, Nuh-uh the international group suspended the Philippines from all of its events, and FIBA's Secretary General, the late Patrick Bauman, wrote a formal letter to the Philippine Olympic Committee, the message of which boiled down to, until you and all of the major basketball stakeholders in the country get on the same page, FIBA ain't touching you with a five-meter pole. The squabble took two years to sort out, with a timeline of events that sound like they could have been ripped from the pages of a spy thriller. The Tokyo Communique, the Hong Kong Summit, the Unity Congress. Then, finally, in 2007, FIBA lifted the ban and recognized the newly formed Samahang Basketball Nang Pilipinas. In English, the Basketball Federation of the Philippines. That was the nation's new basketball oversight group, and it still is today. It's produced 16 years of relative stability that have led to FIBA's current embrace of the Philippines as the primary host nation of this year's World Cup. In retrospect, this episode feels like a blip in Philippine Hoops history. But in November 2005, when I'd only been in the country for about two weeks, the news that the upcoming Southeast Asian Games, which would be hosted in Manila, would have no basketball competition at all because of the conflict with FIBA, that scared the bejesus out of me. I had just moved to the Philippines to research the country's love affair with basketball. And within days of landing in Manila, I found myself flipping through the pages of the Philippine Daily Inquirer, trying to make sense of the nation's hoops power struggle, and drowning in a sea of then-unfamiliar names. Kowankos and Atienzas, Pepings and Dandings, Pangilinans and Saludes, B-Boys and jingoes, chitos and Chots. I had traveled across the world to witness and hopefully understand the depths of the Philippine passion for basketball. And when I landed, I found out the country, in practical terms, didn't even have a national team. The first time I saw Team Filipinas play, it wasn't in a high-stakes tournament with national pride on the line, it was at a bizarre exhibition game against a group of -of out-of-shape NBA retirees led by Dennis Rodman. The possibility that I was a damn fool may have crossed my mind once or twice. But basketball is irrepressible in the Philippines. Even when the professional leagues and national teams are in crisis, the sport reaches up from the grassroots. Instead of driving myself crazy trying to understand the political rivalries at the highest levels of Philippine hoops, I threw myself into playing the game. I was 23 back then, could play all day, even in the midday tropical heat, and I did. From organized group runs with ex-professionals and pristine Manila gyms, to betting 20 pesos or a liter bottle of RC Cola on games at the Barangay-covered courts, basically your neighborhood playground. From dunking miniature basketballs on homemade 8-foot hoops on a street corner, to playing half-court 3-on-3 next to construction sites, from stumbling through games in my flip-flops to sliding on dirt courts while traveling in rural areas outside of Manila, I never stopped playing. I was a gym rat, and the entire Philippine archipelago felt like my gym. Over time, I'd come to understand the tangled mess of names and organizations that confused me at the beginning. I learned to be fluent in the all-powerful acronyms of Philippine basketball. The SBPs, the SMCs, the MVPs, the RSAs, the PBAs, PBLs, MPBLs, the UAAPs, NCAAs, and SESAFIs. I'm tempted to keep going, but you get the point. But what I didn't have to wait to understand, what was immediately available to me, And what I felt from the moment I swallowed my first breath of heavy manila air was the connection that comes from playing the game. Years later, that connection wound up being the heart and soul of Pacific rims. And it's also the animating force behind this podcast, The Global Bounce, which I'm creating with Filipino podcast production company, Puma Podcast. Any place in the world where you can find a rim and 10 foot backboard, you can create a bond with someone you've never met form an unforgettable memory about a teammate you might never see again, and learn something about the culture you're in. The Philippines taught me that lesson. But you can find variations on that theme all over the planet. And so it's only natural that the first guest of our first episode would be someone who has taken it upon himself to do just that, travel the world playing pickup basketball in 20 different cities and 20 different countries, chronicling all the jump shots and friends he makes along the way.
1: My name is Lee Ellis. I'm from Australia, but I live in the United States. And right now I am on a mission to try to play pickup basketball in 20 different countries, in 20 different cities around the world. And uh, I'm nine cities in, so I'm nearly halfway. And I'm very excited about the next stage. And to be honest with you, I hope it goes more than 20, but uh, we'll see what happens.
0: If you've been an NBA fan over the past 10 plus years, I probably don't need to tell you who Lee is. A former co-host of the Basketball Jones podcast, Lee and the rest of the Jones guys helped create the informed but irreverent voice that NBA nerds of the internet era communicate in. The Basketball Jones moved from its original home on Canada's sports network, The Score, to NBA TV, where the show jumped to television and was renamed The Starters, and then to its current platform, The Athletic, where the podcast was rechristened as No Dunks. Last year, Lee stepped away from the show to begin his pickup basketball odyssey.
1: My two passions in life have been basketball and traveling and now I'm combining those and it's kind of everything I could have hoped for, you know, wild experiences, meeting some great people, playing basketball in some amazing cities on some incredible courts. It's me sort of traveling and exploring and experiencing different cultures and different people from places that in some cases I've never been to before. So it's a whole journey of exploration adventure fun and getting a few buckets along the way i started officially in november of 2022 last year i was planning on going to the balkans region which is slovenia croatia serbia and then greece however my flight got delayed out of atlanta on the very first trip the very first plane ride got delayed so i actually had a 12-hour layover in frankfurt germany And I know street basketball in Germany is actually quite big. So while I had that 12 hours, rather than sit at the airport and just send nasty tweets to the uh, airline and start, you know, cussing and cursing at everyone for for being inconvenienced, uh, I went out and played basketball and and I had an incredibly fun day in Frankfurt. So that's where it started. And then I moved down to Ljubljana in Slovenia, uh, which was incredible from there down to Croatia, which I I mean, every stop along the way, I was like, oh my God, this is even more beautiful than the last place I was in. And it was really, really captivating like that because when you travel and you you find new places and new destinations, it just really energizes you. You know, you're like, oh my God, I wanna wanna see everything. I wanna do everything. I wanna try this food. I wanna meet these people. I wanna walk these streets, you know, (laughs) swim in the uh, ocean if you're in a city that's along the coastline there. And it it was incredible. And then from there, Next stop,
0: Serbia, home to the storied crosstown rivalry between professional clubs Partizan and Red Star Belgrade and the nation that's produced NBA players like Vlade Divac, Dejan Stojakovic and two-time MVP Nikola Jokic.
1: In Belgrade, I turned up to the court there at Calamengton Park the day before I had the game scheduled and there were these three guys playing and I, so I just assumed they were Serbians. And they saw me immediately. They were almost like, "There's three of us, as one of you. We need you for two, on 2 And they started sort of pointing and talking to me. And it turns out they were Russian, and they barely spoke in English. One guy spoke enough to be like two, 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 and I'm <laughs> like, "Yeah, of course, you know, let's go." And so we played. And that that again shows me that it, you know, verbal communication is not the only way of connecting with people. Body language, understanding the game. Okay, this guy, me, and this guy are on the same team now. I set him a little screen. I'll see if he's a good shooter. Maybe he's a prefers to pass or whatever. You can figure those things out just through body language and, and playing together. And that's, to me, what I think is, is so good about basketball is how if you just want to play basketball, you can go and play.
0: At almost every stop along the way, hoops lovers who already knew Lee from the starters and elsewhere have shown up not just ready to play, but also ready to reference Lee's well-known love of bananas and fresh-brewed espresso.
1: Oh, my God. Like, this is incredible. Someone knows so much about me who... I'd never met before. And then when we started doing the feature, at the end of it, she said, oh, I'm hoping for a very solid game like that. And I, I was just like, oh, my God, this is crazy to be in in a country I've never been to, a person I've never met, but they know one of my catchphrases and trademarks uh, and they threw it in there and it was, it was just, it was so funny. It was so cool. I mean, that's so humbling to, as well to be like, wow, I can't believe people were so committed to our show but they remember those things and they know that I like it when people poke fun at me because it's great. And then speaking about bananas, it's been now at least three or four of the cities I've played in, someone has turned up with bananas and said i know you love bananas here they are and they don't usually just bring one or two they bring enough so that everyone else is there can have one so they come up with like two or three bunches of bananas and they start handing them around and i'm like well that's great it's also very good too. make sure you eat those bananas while you're playing it's great you need that uh, potassium in you and then don't cramp exactly and then on top of all that you know one of the things i started to talk about a lot more recently only really on the no dunks podcast was how I brought my own espresso machine at home and I started to uh, up my um, quality of coffee at home and now and in Cape Town for example first day I was there this guy turned up here's your espresso and I'm like oh my god this is this is this is incredible so that's the sort of attitude and atmosphere that I like to bring where it's like hey we're here to have fun man we're here to play and 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 if people want to you know bring along coffee and bananas and stuff like that I'm like it just makes me feel they've brought the right attitude, that it's a day of just people getting to know each other, coming together. Basketball is the sort of link, but ultimately we're there to, uh, you know, explore and, and have fun together. And it's,
0: it's As of recording awesome. this episode, Lee's hooped in 10 countries in Europe and Africa. I probably don't need to tell you what's on his bucket list for Asia.
1: I cannot wait to get to Manila. Ever since I've been on the Basketball Jones, which is over 10 years ago now, and the starters at NBA TV, our biggest audience, apart from the United States, was the Philippines, and people were just uh, fanatically supportive of us as TV hosts, so I can't imagine how that must then translate when it comes to basketball. I mean, every time I have been on CNN Philippines the amount of messages I get afterwards, the people say, you've got to come out here. And I can't just go to Manila, apparently. There are so many other places around the country that are saying, you've got to come out here and play. So when I do get there, I really want to plan it so that I can make the most of that experience and, and, and hit as many different parts of the country that I can feasibly get to. There's uh, a court someone painted somewhere in Manila. I'm not sure exactly where it is. It's, it's Jordan and LeBron. Mm-hmm. And as a huge mural there. And that photo kind of went viral around the internet. And I was like, okay, wherever that is, I'm definitely gonna play there at some point. And it looked like it was kind of in some sort of complex as well. So, you know, those sort of cool painted courts, there must be some sort of history there in that region. I think that would be a really, really cool place to play. I
0: can already see it in my mind's eye. Lee Ellis finally makes his pilgrimage to the Tenement Court in Taguig, Metro Manila. That's the place he just finished describing from all the times he's seen overhead images of its full-court murals go viral. And what's waiting for him but a freshly painted cement floor featuring a giant image of Lee and his former Starters co-hosts J.E. Skeets, Tas Mellis, and Trey Kirby all riding a banana boat through the ocean, like the famous image of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul on vacation together in 2015. Lee asked me what to expect when he steps on the court in the Philippines. I told him to be ready to wager twenty or fifty pesos on his pickup game, and that when one team gets within two points of victory, someone is going to call warning, and that when they're one point away from winning, someone will call out last. And if his team wins, and someone gives him a plastic bag full of water tied off in the shape of a tube, it's safe to drink. It's cold. It's called ice big. When you pick teams, usually a lot of the time it will be just the match up with someone about your height. And then do uh, like rock paper scissors, and <laughs> everyone everyone who wins, uh, all the winners of their rock paper scissors end up on one side. All the yeah. losers end up on the other. That's that's how you start the the pickup uh, thing, and then people come and play play next.
1: Honestly, all these things should be at the All Star Weekend. Why not? You know, rather than have LeBron LeBron and, and and Steph or whoever picking the teams or Giannis, do rock paper scissors. Right. That's it. That's your teams. You know.
0: One last thing, Lee. Would you be okay playing in Chinelas?
1: I'm a very big fan of flip-flops. I wear them as much as I can. However, playing basketball in flip-flops is not very smart. Uh, that if, 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 I'm, if I'm trying to not roll my ankles, it's not a good place to be wearing flip-flops. That's the only time that I pretty much avoid wearing flip-flops because, uh, look, if I'm just standing around shooting, fine. But if you're trying to like put the ball on the floor or uh you know run and chase somebody wearing flip-flops you're just asking for your ankles to be to be rolled there so uh unfortunately I won't be playing in them but I definitely will pack them and I'll be wearing them everywhere else I'll wear them out to dinner I don't mind I'll wear them around the streets I'll be wearing them everywhere
0: I can't blame the man when you add up all the time I've spent in the Philippines both long-term stays and shorter visits it comes out to more than 5 years since 2005 I've learned to speak, read, and write Tagalog at a very high level. I've helped slaughter pigs before fiestas, eaten everything from balut to papaitan to soup number five. Again, if you're curious about these things, check out our show notes. And I can walk through the rainy season floods on Taft Avenue like it's nothing. But I don't hoop in chinelas. Basketball had ravaged my ankles before I ever came to Manila, and I'm just too afraid to run, jump, and change directions at game speed without wearing basketball sneakers. I've always been convinced that playing in chinelas is like acquiring language. It only feels natural if you've been doing it your whole life. As for the rest of what Lee might discover when he visits the Philippines, as long as he follows that bouncing ball, I'm pretty sure it'll change his life the way it's changed mine.
1: thing is it is only a ball but it's so much more than that with what it can do for you and where it can take you and so you turn up to a court with a basketball it's amazing how quickly you can make friends
0: for those of us who've been touched by the game of basketball what lee is saying there can take on an almost religious importance let me repeat that word for word it's only a ball but it's so much more than that with what it can do for you and where it can take you That ball has introduced me to many of the best friends I've ever known. It led me to the Philippines, which became a second home to me and a place where I can't imagine who I'd be today if I'd never let a simple ball game take me across the world. And it led me to many of the greatest professional experiences of my life, including a chance just a few years ago to collaborate on a sweeping oral history book called Basketball, A Love Story. With Naismith Hall of Famer, Jackie McMullen, whose groundbreaking career covering the NBA for the Boston Globe, Sports Illustrated and ESPN spanned four decades before she retired in 2021. And surprise, surprise, Jackie also has a few stories to share about how basketball can take us to places we never imagined we'd see.
2: When I worked at the Globe, I had this boss Don Square who was just a terrific editor. And he was always trying to find the next frontier, you know. Mm-hmm. So when Yao Ming came to America and did his thing, became this phenomenon, he sent me to China to find the next Yao Ming. And is China the next frontier? Because remember, for a minute, we thought they were, you know, I'm Yao and, Ming, um,
0: the giant population, yeah, the, yep. the, the state was getting behind the sport. It seemed like it was it was
2: happening hundred percent. And I wrangled an invitation from the Chinese Basketball Association through Bill Duffy, Yao's agent. And I went over with Bill and my dad, actually, which was really awesome. And we were guests of the Chinese government. So I went to the Shanghai Sharks game to see the Shanghai Sharks play. It was their first year without Yao. This was Yao's rookie season in the NBA. So I went to the Shanghai Sharks game to see how they were going to fare with this amazing player. And we were there in December, my dad and me and all the doors to the gym were open, wide open. It was freezing. As we walked in, I'm like, why on earth are these doors open? Because everybody was chain-smoking. Everybody was chain-smoking. And it was so cold in their wraith that the players were wearing winter parkers on the bench, no lie. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. But basketball was at a fever pitch at the time I was there. And the the Beijing Olympics were upcoming. They hadn't come yet, Mm -hmm. but they were on their way. And so, you know, we really thought, well, maybe China's got this down. They had this, you know, they plucked kids out of school at the age of six or seven and got them into their state-run programs and it just didn't happen. I think we can agree now that Africa is actually the next frontier.
0: That frontier has already made an outsized impact on the NBA with Cameroonian stars like reigning MVP Joel Embiid and the Toronto Raptors' Pascal Siakam, Congolese players like Serge Ibaka and Jonathan Kuminga, and the NBA investing heavily in promoting the sport and nurturing talent throughout the continent with the Basketball Africa League.
2: You know, I went to Rwanda on a service trip. I'm involved in an organization called Shooting Touch, and we go to Rwanda and we build basketball courts adjacent to health centers, and we do it on purpose. We wanted to develop trust with these young athletes through basketball. We use basketball as a tool to help them with their healthcare. If they join our program, they get free healthcare and free healthcare in Rwanda is about 18 American dollars a year. And 90% of the people there can't afford it. The region I was in, Rinkwavu, most of the homes were mud huts. And that's just what it sounds like. Huts made of mud. And the family slept on a, you know, a very thin bamboo mat at night, no running water, no electricity in general. Some of the people were lucky and had stone homes. If they were lucky, they might have a well. And I was there for a couple of weeks and saw firsthand how basketball can build a community and can build confidence. We had the women, the moms playing out there. It was incredible, you know? But we did it so that we would get comfortable enough with these young people that would say, have you had your shots? Have you had your immunizations? You sound like you have a bad cough. Let's go next door to this health center, which is right here next to our court and get you checked out. And so I think there's a lot of room for growth in Africa. Specifically for me, I was in Cameroon and Rwanda. Those are the two places I I watched it blossoming, you know. Um,
0: And I I feel, Jackie, like you already have listed out a lot of the the places that would be the answer to this kind of question. But I still, because it was from basketball love story, at least that was the first time I heard it the John McClendon quote that Isaiah Thomas repeats in the film and in, and, in, and in the book about, you know, if you this this round ball, if you treat it right, will take you around the world. What does that quote mean to you?
2: Well, I've pretty much lived that quote. You know, I never thought I would ever go to China for any other reason than to see the Great Wall as a tourist. And instead, because of my connections to basketball, you know, we got taken to the private part of the Great Wall, not where the tourists go, but where the dignitaries go, and a chance to climb that wall with some Chinese dignitaries and some members of the Houston Rockets and and Bill Duffy, who was just a prince throughout that whole trip. And uh, I mean, that's a memory I'll have for the rest of my life. I really was taken with Africa. It's such a beautiful continent. Rwanda, in particular. It's such a beautiful damaged country with a, with a, such a horrific history. You know, sports does have a way of healing wounds, you know? And I would say that's happened across the world, not just basketball, but in all sports. And, you know, I remember being in the south of France, watching kids playing basketball, one of them had a Magic Johnson jersey on, you know? And I'm like, that's pretty amazing. And you listen to all these players that came to this country, and grew up watching Kobe Bryant on grainy, you know, DVDs, not even DVDs, VCRs probably that got smuggled into their country somehow. And I know you've spent time in the Philippines and you could speak to the great fervor with which they love and embrace basketball. I mean, I've been to six of the seven continents because of basketball. That's pretty amazing. I don't think they play basketball in Antarctica, but if they do, I'll be there. That's the one I'm missing.
0: That quote I mentioned to Jackie is one of my favorite things anyone has ever said about basketball, or about life for that matter. John McClendon was the hand-picked protege of James Naismith. Yep, that James Naismith, the one who hung a couple of peach baskets in a YMCA gymnasium in Springfield, Massachusetts in 1891 and invented the game of basketball. Naismith saw in McClendon what he believed to be the essence of coaching, that it was not solely about winning, but about teaching. McClendon, who was black, wasn't permitted to play on the segregated University of Kansas basketball team when he studied under Naismith in the 1930s. But he went on to a decorated coaching career at historically black colleges and universities in the southern United States and is now credited with being the first coach to implement a fast-break offense. Isaiah Thomas, the Hall of Fame point guard who led the Detroit Pistons to -to back-to-back NBA championships in 1989 and 90 tells a story of McClendon visiting a recreational league Thomas played in when he was a boy growing up in Chicago. McClendon held up a basketball and told young Isaiah and his teammates, This ball can take you all around the world. You will meet kings and queens, and you will even have the opportunity to dine with presidents. But this is not just a ball. This is a game of values. If you learn the values of this game and play as you live then you can be successful off the court. Where are you right now while you're listening to this podcast? Maybe you're washing your dishes at home in Southern California. Maybe you're zoning out on a plane somewhere over the Pacific Ocean. Maybe you're in Metro Manila, stuck on an MRT platform, waiting to board a train home from work. Wherever you are, If that quote strikes a note deep inside your round-ball loving heart, then you're only a few degrees of separation away from Dr. James Naismith himself. From anywhere in the world, you can be inspired by the same thought that inspired Isaiah Thomas, which was shared by the great John McClendon, who learned the secrets of basketball directly from its inventor. That's the connection we find in basketball. That's what this podcast is all about. So please subscribe to the Global Bounce wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep listening as we let that orange leather ball lead us from Manila to New York to Belgrade and back. Again, I'm Rafe Bartholomew. The Global Bounce is a Puma podcast production. This episode was produced by Nina Torralba and edited by Mark Casillan. Additional research by Geraldine Pascual. With creative consults from Trisha Aquino, Serge Tantenko, and Carl Javier, the video snippets you heard at the top of the episode are from the FIBA Basketball World Cup 2023's social media pages at FIBA WC on Twitter and Instagram, and FIBA The Basketball Channel on YouTube. Maraming salamat po.